Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants. Bob Popple along with two-time Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. The regular season is here. Sunday Night Football, Giants-Cowboys, doesn't get much better than this. And uh, Carl, we are looking forward to a fun season. We'll have some guests on the show during the course of the year. Looking forward to Mm -hmm. our guys coming over from the other side of the pond. Podcast guys from over there, they're going to be coming for the Patriots game. So we got a lot of fun. And uh, it's exciting, you know, with the season coming. It looks like the Giants... As of this recording, are relatively healthy going into this first game of the season. Uh, but I know you're excited about uh, what this team could look like on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, Bob, it, it, before we do that, uh, let's just kind of embrace some of the really cool content creators on our timelines that really keep the fans engaged. Some, Most of it is really good. Some of it is you know, um bit controversial, but it's engaging. And, you know, some of the people that come to mind, and I want to shout y'all out because it's the beginning of the season. And I know these guys, they get ramped up and they, you know, they really engage fans. And I drop by their their timeline sometimes, but like uh breaking tackle giants, uh Dan Schneier, Jay Lambert, Bob Sagendorf, and the incomparable. 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 Charlie Vax. Charlie Vacchiano. Like, he's the one who will stir it up, and then he'll just leave the floor to everybody else. If you ever went to one of his pages, he goes on a rant, and then he just leaves the floor open. And, um, you know, Chuck does Chuck. I love you, Chuck. You're good. You're fun. He drives everybody crazy. But by the time his spaces settle in, it's some really good dialogue and some really good stuff going on. So I just wanted to uh, shout some of those guys. And I know I, I'm, missing, I'm missing some guys. Justin, um, he's another good one. Justin Plenick, I think is his name. Um, but and then, you know, can't forget our guy and, you know, Giants Insider, you know, he's oh, the the biz is is a is a is a cut above, but like these are guys that, when you talk about a team's fan engagement, these guys get fired up for their team. They're pretty stable people, uh, and kind of sober. You know, they have they have their opinions, they have their takes, but they're sober, right? They're not crazy, and uh, I say that as a segue into what some people might think is crazy about what I'm about to say about this Giants offense, but I want you guys to sit and think about it, ponder. Um, see, can, can, before you get to that, can I, crazy is us getting yelled at on Twitter already by some yeah. of our followers about <clears throat> they better not run Saquon on the first play of the game. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I was I like, that. are you kidding me? Yeah, I saw that. They're going to run whatever they think is a, yeah, could be a successful whatever first works. play. Exactly. Because um, if, if Jones drops back, gets sacked by Demarcus Lawrence and fumbles on the first play, that same person will scream, I can't believe they did that they on the first play. They didn't run Barkley. They should have given it to Barkley to set the tone. All right, so um, go crazy. You had a, cra- a, a crazy no, not, tweet. It's not even crazy. 
uh, when we think about this. Now, there is a disclaimer. This offensive collective, as we know it today, has accomplished nothing. And we talk about potential, right? And this is this is when I allow myself to kind of imagine the possibilities. And again, disclaimer, folks, they have accomplished nothing as a collective offensively. All we know is what we saw last year. Right. But when I look at what Joe Shane has done for this offense, they're a faster offense. They're a more skilled offense. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about this personnel and the way that Mike Kafka and um, Brian Dable put together their schemes. And we saw a little bit of that in the preseason when the number ones played. They create a lot of conflict for uh, opposing defenses. And I said, and some of you might not even be old enough or might be, might be too young to remember the St. Louis Rams' greatest show on turf. They, and not right now, currently, the greatest show on turf is uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. And they don't score as many points as the Rams did. I think the Rams averaged like 32 points something a game, almost 33 points a game. The Kansas City Chiefs last year, I think, was 29 points a game, average. So let that sink in for a minute, and now let me break it down for you. St. Louis Rams, again, we're talking about potential, not uh, facts right now. St. Louis Rams, Hall of Fame quarterback, obviously, Kurt Warner. But they had Isaac King, Ricky Pro, Isaac Bruce, Tory Hall. Didn't hear about their tight end too much, right? Afterthought. All speed, all guys that cr could create space, and they worked in angles. And also they had a guy named Marshall Falk, who was their uh, difference maker in the red zone and their difference maker in the field. He was another receiver, excellent runner. Hall of Famer, no less. Okay, now, here's where I started to imagine the possibilities. When you've got uh, Paris Campbell, you've got Darius Slayton, and we're talking about speed now, right? Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell, Jalen Hyatt. Darren Waller, tight end. Wondell Robinson, and... Sterling yep. Shepard, right? So if you want to go comparables, now I'm not talking about accomplishments. Let's just talk comparables, right? Speed. Speed for speed, you got Bruce and Holt, right? Uh, Giants, Hyatt, Campbell, Slate, Possession, Ricky Pro. Giants got Robinson. They've got Waller. And they've got Shepard. Red zone threats. They had uh, Marshall Falk and Torrey Holt worked at red zone. The Giants, 
Darren Waller, Wandell Robinson, and Saquon Barkley, and Sterling Shepard. Oh, and Daniel Bellinger. So when you allow yourself to think about just comparables, and it's a different NFL, but the Rams were ahead of their time in the way they deployed their spacing and angles concepts, just no different than uh, with Dable and uh, Kafka does. A little different offense, but they they relied on creating space and, and, and you know, in angles, creating conflict for defenses. And it made it difficult to match up because you did just didn't have enough defensive players to guard two number one receivers and a third, basically number two receiver, which was was uh Marshall Falk, Ricky Pro. Um which is why the third tight end, which is why the tight end, Roland Williams, who was a nice player, that that Super Bowl season, he had six touchdown catches. Can't cover yeah. everybody. Somebody's gonna be open. Correct which we saw in the preseason game Correct. with Waller and then Daniel Bellinger wide open for the touchdown. Yeah, and uh, we covered that a little bit with the coach yesterday, and it's going to show up on the um, the Giants TV show this week. Um, coach Dable show presented by Ford. But when you can look at the comparables and the production, now we're talking about Hall of Fame players, right, on the Rams, and we're talking about unaccomplished players with the Giants. Good decision-making by the quarterback is important when you have these types of players on your roster because he's going to have options and he's just got to make good decisions. Some of those decisions will be – some of those decisions will be predetermined. Others, he's going to have to do it um, as the play progresses. And oh, by the way, the one thing that the Giants have that the Rams didn't is a quarterback who can also make plays with his feet. Run. So yeah. this gives you so many dimensions of being in a very explosive offense. Now, the Rams had Orlando Pace, right? I don't think we're putting anybody in his category yet. Uh, but Orlando Pace wasn't Orlando Pace until he was Orlando Pace. Right? So um, Andrew Thomas is what's counted on to be that type of guy. Um, I just get excited looking at just the schematics of this offense and the conflict that they can create with the personnel that's on this roster. Not there there are teams with some really good like Philadelphia who's the gold standard in the NFC in the entire conference. They've got a beast at a wide receiver and another burner, right? And then they deploy other players. You know, they're running back by committee. Uh they let a very productive guy go cuz they didn't need him anymore, right? And they play great defense. Um the Niners with McCaffrey, who can line up as a receiver and be a receiver or be a back. Mm-hmm. And then Debo Samuel, who can be a receiver or line up in the backfield as a pure running yeah. back. And then and the speed of Ayuk and then Kittle. Yeah. 
But when you talk about just pure, unadulterated speed from your skill positions, the Giants have got it. Now, again, they've accomplished nothing. But if you allow yourself to imagine what the possibilities are or could be, it's exciting to think about. It really is. And, and you know, I think they were averaging just under 20 points last year. I suspect that that number will increase appreciably just because, to your point, you can't cover everybody. And the Giants can run the football uh, with Saquon Barkley. They can pass the ball with Barkley. So just the multiple threats that they have from just the quarterback and the running back alone, and then the guys on the outside and just the way they scheme it up, I think it's uh, – it's going to be an exciting year, um, and obviously health plays a part in that. But I'm excited about that. Yeah, I mean, listen, this uh, this team is much improved over last year, which doesn't mean that they're going to have a better result than last year, for all we know, just based on schedule. But task at hand in week one is the Dallas Cowboys, right? Sure. So my question, Barkley's last bunch of games against Dallas has not been great. Mm-hmm. Um, they've done a pretty good job of dealing with him. And again, the Giants have improved their offensive line. But Marcus Lawrence is healthy. Micah Parsons is healthy. And they got a good front seven. And then they have outstanding guys at the corner position. Sure. Um, how do you think the Cowboys are going to try to attack the Giants' offense so that Daniel Jones doesn't have time to get all these speed guys going? Well, it's uh, Micah and Lawrence. I mean, the two guys, they complement each other so, so well. Um, and, you know, as good as Lawrence is, Micah Parson has a lot of success just based on the impact of Lawrence being on the other side or on the same side as him. Because one guy flushes the quarterback to the other guy, and they know how they know how to play it to perfection. So the Giants will have to hold up on the edges. But the thing about the Dallas Cowboys defense, they put pressure across the board. They will push the pocket from the inside and they collapse it from the outside. So um, figuring out who's going to be one-on-one with Demarcus Lawrence while you double um, Micah Parsons, that's a task. You know, and it takes one guy out, but play action pass is 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 doable. Um, the Giants, well, they got to think they're going to test the crap out of Evan Neal early in this game, well, right? Yeah, Lawrence is going to be there. He's going to line up there, and he's going to say, "Hey, earn your keep, big fella, because I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming." And when you think I'm tired, I'm still going to be coming at your throat. Um, so it's it's a tall task. One of one of the things that the Giants can do is by personnel groupings, they can take, you know, a player or two out the box. And that could help them a little bit. They can force teams to play nickel defense with their personnel uh, and still be able to uh, run the football into a light box or pass it if they decide to drop a guy down. And uh, I think the Cowboys have seen enough you know, just not from what the Giants did in preseason, but some of the players that are on this roster, if they looked at their film, 
with the teams that they came from, I think they've seen enough to know that you just can't leave some of these guys unguarded and you're going to have to give somebody some attention. So um, the Cowboys are are incredible team. And the reality is the Giants won one division game last year. Now they've always played the Cowboys close and Daniel Jones has done more with less. This offense has done more with less. Can they do more with more? I think the way the, the, the constitution of these players and how they have been able to focus on the little things when they didn't have great talent, knowing their margin for error was very slim. And they had to do a lot of the little things right when they didn't have the talent bodes well for them when they do have talent because that foundation is laid. That foundation was laid so that they could earn themselves a playoff spot and win a playoff game. When you have better talent and you take that same mentality into it, the attention to detail, that should result in a better record and more production defensively the giants biggest task right now and and you're hearing from me first is they got to hold up on the edges they have got to set the edge because if it's a tie like in baseball a tie goes to the runner if uh Kayvon Thibodeau is tied up with their tight end all they want to do is cover him because the running back they got he's a rocket Right. He's he gets through there and he accelerates. So he's fast and all they got to do is cover you up and he's around the corner. And that's the fastest way to attack a defense is on the edges. And I don't think they want to run inside um, and don't think they're going to have a lot of success running inside um, against the Giants front. But they will test you outside. And they'll scheme it uh, so that they could get their, you know, their back. And both of induces another guy who's, you know, he's a little water bug, you know. So you've got to pay attention to him. But the thing is, you've got to get separation on the edge, and you got to set a clear edge because, you know, Pollard, he's, you know, he's a, he can run inside and outside, but you know, his most successful stuff is when he hits that corner. And hits down that sideline. So, um, if I and I hope to have a conversation with with Kayvon Thibodeau and their other edge guys too, uh, Jihad Ward and those guys, just understand like setting the edge in a game like this is not just being there. Because if you don't have your hands free or you can't shed the block to the inside, that ball is going around you, and you're going to be tied up with it, and you're going to be screaming at the ref that you're being held. But setting the edge means clearly making sure that Tony Pollard sees you on the edge and he has to turn the ball back inside to where all your help is. So in our TV segment for the Coach Dable show in strategy, you showed this um, of Pollard having success when teams are not disciplined and setting the edge properly. 
But then there's another layer to it that falls heavily on Bobby Okereke, uh, whether it's Jason Pinnock or Xavier McKinney or Isaiah Simmons or Micah McFadden or whatever. Even if you set the edge, then everybody else has to do the proper fills in their responsibilities and don't take a false step because you show it perfectly on our Giants TV shows that all it takes is one guy to peak and take one yeah, false step. Overrun a play, underrun a play, and they call it gap fits. It's your fit. You have to be where your fit is, and you can't be impatient. And a guy like Micah McFadden, who's playing faster, now that he's playing faster, he's got to play disciplined because you can run yourself out of a play, and the other good – thing that I'm sure the Dallas Cowboys love about Tony Pollard is one of the reasons why Zeke Elliott is not on his team. He's got superior vision. He's got patient feet, but his vision, he can, he can see where the blocks are. He can see who's overrunning it and he can cut back into those areas and get through a hole in a hurry. So your second level defenders and the giants have upgraded, but because you face such a fast and explosive back, the tendency of the inside linebackers is to hurry up and get there, right? But if your job is not to hurry up and get there, it's to hurry up and get to your gap fit, hurry up and get to that spot. Because as soon as you overrun it, thinking you're going to stop an outside run when it's somebody else's responsibility, he's going to go right where you were and there's going to be a guy that just continues to wash you out. Um and they're very good. And that's the, you know, the, the, the other asset of the Dallas Cowboys in their run game is the fact that their offensive line is very disciplined and they know, um, where their fits should be. And you need as an inside guy to get create a tie. You don't even have to win. Just create the tie because the two guys, the three guys up front. They'll do the rest of it. they'll do the rest of the work. But the second level guys, you can't overrun anything because you see a back heading outside. Be in a hurry to get to your run fit. Don't be in a hurry to get outside to try to make that play. That's somebody else's responsibility. And when you see that um Kayvon Thibodeau or uh Jihad Ward, whoever your edge, the other edge is gonna be, when you see that they got that ball turned inside, that's gonna come right to your fit. And when, if, you get in, if you're in a hurry to get to your run fit, that ball is going to come right to you and you just got to make the tackle. But if you over-pursue it or if you under-pursue it, you're getting washed out or walled out, one or the other. Now, then, as a result of that, they got a quarterback who's an excellent play-action pass guy. When they get the run game going, that's when your defensive backs start to peak a little bit. And they go over the top to CD Lamb. And they they do a really good job of play action pass. Yeah, and look, uh Gallup mm-hmm. has been banged up, but in the past, but he's an explosive player. We know how good CD Lamb is, whether they line him up in the slot or out wide. And you got and then they added that. Brandon, yeah, and they added Brandon, Brandon Cooks, Cooks. Yeah, who all the guy does is get a thousand yards every year. He, he's been on a million teams, but he's always wanted somewhere. And he's a significant upgrade to what they had in the past. So these rookie corners are going to get tested. Yep. Tested. They are. 
They are. So this really comes down to uh, on both sides of the ball. And it sounds cliche, uh, but it's up front. You got to win the battles up front because if you don't and you have to commit more people to the box, it's not in your favor. And uh, you can find yourself in a shootout and you don't want to play the game on the Dallas Cowboys terms, especially the way they turn their pass rush loose. Yeah, I mean, in both meetings last year, I mean, Cooper Rush was the quarterback the first time they met on Monday night at MetLife Stadium. I mean, the Giants were right in the game. Cowboys made some plays late. The Giants' inability to stop the run late proved to be big factors. Mm -hmm. And then on Thanksgiving, as undermanned as the Giants were, I saw something on Twitter where, I mean, I was like 11 guys that either didn't play or weren't on the Giants last year when they played that game. And, you know, you would think about it, they were kind of in the game at halftime and they were, and then, and then you had in the third quarter, you had that, uh, Dable decided to go for it on fourth down, rightfully so. And Daniel Jones didn't make the best throw and Barkley didn't make the best catch. And they wound up turning it over on downs. And then the, you know, the ceiling kind of caved in on them and the game got, the game got out of hand for them. Yeah. Um, but they got better players this year. What about managing the moment? I mean, look, I could give you the stats, right? The Giants and Cowboys have met 10 times on opening day. Mm-hmm. Dallas has won nine of the 10. Um, you know, but that encompasses going back to 1960. It's 2023. It's different. But what about managing the hype? I remember like, I remember 1986 when you guys won the Super Bowl. A lot of hype going into that opening night against sure. the Dallas Cowboys, Monday Night Football. And of course, Landry calls the the draw and they wind up scoring late and you guys wind up losing but how do you manage that opening day excitement and the hype of the cowboys in prime time how do you let the game then settle in for you um i think the fact that the giants have played in a playoff game and won one on the road uh certainly helps that right um this is no bigger it's it's a big game and you made the point yesterday when we were together that, you know, it's kind of a must-win game if you allow yourself to think that. But if you don't, it's still just one game. So from the Giants' standpoint, they just got to go out and do what they're expected to do, um, execute their game plan. They do have a coaching staff that has a clue. Right. And they have a coaching staff that will create some advantageous, both sides of the ball, some advantageous uh, situations for them. They just have to execute those. I don't think the moment is too big for them, uh, but it still comes down to execution. And if they don't execute, it wasn't because the moment was too big and they melted down. It's because they didn't execute. And that's their focus. You know, you have to focus. There's no different. You talked about the 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 bad pass and bad effort. I don't want to call it bad effort, but yeah, bad effort by Barkley on the one fourth down play. Everything could have been better. They could have executed better. So I don't let, let's just call it bad execution. Yeah, it but was bad execution. It wasn't bad effort. It was just bad execution. Yeah, bad execution. So I, bad effort was not the, the operative word. That's that's unfair. Um, but it was awful execution, but it wasn't because it was the moment. 
it was because they just didn't execute it well. Um, you know, you see meltdowns when the moment is too big, and it, there are things that lead up to that. The Giants were uh, in that game, which means that the moment wasn't too big for them. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point, too. The core of this team, the, the a lot of the critical parts of this team, you know, took the field in Minnesota against a team that, you know, had 13 wins last year and a hostile environment and a playoff game, and they made the plays in the game that needed to be made. I mean, sure. down to the very last play, you kind of knew that Kirk Cousins was going to TJ Hawkins. Yeah. And he even banged up with his hand and the injury that he had in the ATV accident. Xavier McKinney was on his cues and on his keys, and he didn't overrun it. He didn't have bad leverage. He went in exactly the way you're taught to execute it, and Hawkinson didn't get an inch after catching the ball, and he held him right. short of the first down. They executed in the big – so they they have that experience to draw mm -hmm. on, whether it's Slayton or Isaiah Hodgins or Saquon or Daniel Jones or the offensive lineman or the defensive lineman. You know, they've been in a big moment now. It's not like it's not like they were four and thirteen last year, and it's like, oh my God, we're playing in primetime finally. They had their they had their share of primetime yeah. games last year, including a playoff game, which all playoff games are primetime games. Yeah, so but, I, I just think you know as we as we wind this up, and we'll have more to talk about after the game, but um, I just think this is a game of execution. I think we'll find out if the Giants have closed the gap. I think from a talent standpoint, they have in the division, but these guys are battle tested. The Dallas Cowboys are. Um, this is not new to them either. So uh, it's a matter of the Giants. They'll deploy better talent on the field and, you know, they're going to have to defend better. Um, Diggs is going to have to defend a different type of wide receiver now, right? Uh, he wasn't worried about anything in the Giants. As a matter of fact, uh, he teased Brian Dable. Uh, the Giants home game says, are you going to put somebody out here I can't cover? You know, he had a boring day. I don't think he's going to have a boring day this time around. So, One other thing, if you're going to the game, <clears throat> obviously, you know, on the eve of 9-11, there'll be uh, a lot of tributes. Mm -hmm. But there's also going to be something really cool at the two-minute warning of the first half. I don't want to give it away right now. But I don't know if it's ever happened, but there's going to be three people as part of a charitable endeavor, a charity that they're all promoting together. Mm -hmm. I think this is the first time that all three of them are going to be on the field at the same time. Well, that's going to be awesome. Looking forward to that. I don't even know what it is. But it sounds yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I should be telling everybody what oh, it is. Wait. Oh, wait. No, you'll check. If you're at the game, with the two-minute warning, the Giants in this initiative to raise money for a foundation are going to have three former players on the field that I'm not sure. Has ever been on the field again? I, I'm not sure if they've all three of them have been on the field at the same oh, time. It's going to be fun. And then if you're not at the game, I'm sure the Giants' uh, social media, which they're doing a fantastic job, uh, uh, will make sure that you get every angle of that. Yeah, they, I mean, it might have been for one of the anniversary team celebrations, but I know one guy definitely was not in – well, I don't want to give it away. 
Leave, leave it there. I, I'm leave not sure, there. but it'll be. It's going to be a cool thing. I'm actually looking forward to seeing it. Uh, so it'll be a lot of fun. So um, fired up for the season. Fired up for you, the fans. Uh, fired up for the people that are going to the game. We'll be watching the game. We'll be listening to the game. If you want to listen and watch, depending on how you do it, people always ask, how do you sync it up? It really depends on, first of all, what platform you're watching the game on, and then what's your platform on listen. So like if you're listening on Sirius or whatever, where you have the ability to pause your TV and pause your radio, a lot of times the radio is like 10 seconds behind. Mm-hmm. So what you can do is on kickoff, you hit pause on your TV just as Lawrence Tynes or the Cowboys kicker is about to kick the football off, and the radio is playing. And as soon as, as soon as you hear me say, as an example, and Times approaches the ball and we are underway, then you would hit play on your TV, and now you've synced your radio and TV if the radio is behind TV, which it tends to be by about seven or eight seconds. We got and Graham for some- Lawrence Tynes is watching oh, with us. Oh, yeah, Graham Goodell. Well, <laughs> oh, you know why? I was saying that, oh, by the way, Lawrence Tynes is not one of the guys that's going to be on the field that I'm talking about. <laughs> I was thinking in the past, and when Gano gets to the, or if it's inverted somehow, and we're radios actually ahead, if you can hit pause on your radio, then you would sync it up on the opening kickoff, and now you could be synced. So that's how you do it depending on how you watch and listen and do you have the ability to pause both of the broadcasts. So how do we like to end it? Tell a friend to tell a friend to imagine the possibilities. And believe in Giants. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.